we don't have King Charles. Oh. Actually got someone much better. Oh, really? Yeah. And she flew all the way from London to be with us in the bunker today. Oh, my gosh. Well. Do you want to introduce? Yes, I do. Let me me Let me do it. Let's face it first, Lori, that our next guest on the podcast is so much cooler than us. For sure. Um, It's hard to imagine why she came all this way to hang in our cramped little dirty bunker, but she did. And we are so grateful. Uh, We, uh, folks, we have one of the hottest photographers working today in entertainment, advertising and fashion. Her work has graced the covers of Harper's Bazaar, Vogue and Elle. Clients include every major studio and network, Paramount, Disney, DreamWorks Universal, NBC. And of course, CBS is where we met her and got got an opportunity to work with her. Uh, She has literally shot every major uh, cool person on the planet. Film stars, TV stars, athletes. She even shot a few uncool people like you, Lori. Hey, wait a minute. That's not hey. cool. That's not nice. Oh. <laughs> if that weren't enough, she's also an accomplished award-winning director. And she's into tattoos. Mm. And she's British. Please welcome Sophie Holland to the podcast. Sophie. Wow. What an introduction. <laughs> what an introduction. Thank you so we much had, for having me. We had to pull out all your bunker. What is happening in here? I love it. But was it worth Nothing the 13 good. was it worth the 13 hour flight to get to it? It was. Oh, you're, too, you're way too kind. Well, what, one thing you should know though about the bunker is this just like the Soho house, Sophie, we have a no photo uh rule. Uh, yeah. preserve the mystique of, of the bunker mm. so you're gonna have to put your cannon away i love that yeah. and i hope that yeah. there are four very large security guards ready to hoist me out of here if i <laughs> oh. do get my phone out yeah yeah <laughs> uh, for sure for sure yeah. um so the last time we worked together sophie was actually like a couple of years ago way too long way too long way yeah too you long. as i recall you directed the yeah, it was. It was Stephen King's The Stand, and we were up in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and you directed the EPK um, piece mm-hmm. that we did with all the mm-hmm. actors from that. That was really fun. It was, but how poignant that it was the last job I did before lockdown. I know, <laughs> I know right? How poignant that we were working, and I remember all of us standing there in Vancouver and looking at each other, and yep. we were even, when I was, you know, we were interviewing the talent, right. it was an amazing cast, right? It was, yeah. and. I remember we were all talking about it. Well, because we had to ask the same question to each talent. What is the stand about? And Mm -hmm. the answer was, it's about a super flu that wipes out a lot of people in the globe. And Mm -hmm. it was really at the height of, you know, where things were going. That was the first time I wore a mask on a plane was when I was going to that shoot in Vancouver. Yeah. I remember it. That was a great shoot. It's just too bad the show wasn't that good. I don't know if you watched the show. (laughs) I did watch it. Of course. I support everything that I do the promo for. Oh, (laughs) you're you're once again. Well, got to get those numbers up, guys. Got to get the numbers up. Absolutely. Well, uh, often the, the, you know, actual show isn't as good as the marketing, but hey, it happens, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely true. done by you guys. I mean, you (laughs) you you. guys and Matt Hernandez and all of those guys. Mm. What what a dream team. It was a lot of fun. Well, so let's start with your origin story. I I want to know how you got into photography in the beginning. Like, did you, did you take lessons? Were you a kid? Did you just kind of experiment? Like what happened to get you going on this? 
I have a very unconventional path to how I got here and okay. I will try and shorten it as best I can and give you the the abbreviated story. But okay. I, originally when I was a kid, I wanted to be a fashion designer. I started making my own clothes and illustrating and mm-hmm. I was always a painter. Then I went to art school. I went to Central St. Martin's in London um, and I ended up doing fine art, fashion and then fine art. Um, and at the time there really wasn't that many career paths for painters and illustrators. So I kind of fell in a little bit into advertising and I worked, I came to America. I worked as, uh, at the beginning, I actually worked as an agent working with illustrators and photographers Mm -hmm. and I was moonlighting as an art director. Um, and then I got hired as, uh, an art director, senior art director, an advertising agency specializing in fashion, um, called select and worked my way up through there. And then, I got poached by a very well-known photographer and he took me and asked me to be his in-house creative director. So can I was you, can busy. you drop a name on that or no? His name is Norman Jean Roy, very, very okay. well-known, um, you know, celebrity photographer. Okay. And he wanted a creative director to partner with and, you know, work on his creative and run his studio, which I did for a few years. And he really introduced me to film photography and he really kind of inspired me to pick up a camera and start shooting. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, during that time, I completely separate from that, someone introduced me to a script back here in London. Um, and I read it and they wanted a director to shoot this uh, short film, which I agreed to do. And I came back to New York and I just felt like I had gotten the bug for a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to be a director. So long story short, uh, Norman closed his studio and I decided to go out freelance and I started shooting and directing simultaneously. And at the time, there weren't that many artists who were true, what I call slashies, you know, true <laughs> hybrid artists who were yeah. right. directors on promo and also following a commercial path in photography. Okay. Um, and so I felt like at the time, budgets were limited time with talent was limited and there was really a niche for an artist who could come in and basically bring in one crew and do motion stills print the whole thing and really take it on as one big bundle i I remember the day uh lori when we were always looking for a photographer like that because we always well you're like a triple threat can do both i know it's true it's really it's great and yeah. there weren't that many of us, Smart. frankly. And there, and having a f- background as a creative director, I could do treatments, I could do mm-hmm. storyboards, and then working as a director and a photographer, it was a very niche market, and even less so for women. Um, so mm-hmm. that was really how I got my start. And I, uh, you know, to be frank with you, I didn't study photography in college. I kind of taught myself and yeah. what good and made a lot of mistakes and took a lot of bad photographs in the beginning. <laughs> and then really, you know, was very scrappy and hustled my way to where I am. And, and here I am. So amazing. That's my my story. Well, for, for, um, for our listeners, um, who may not be familiar with your work, um, can you just like name drop a little bit for us? Like, you know, tell us some of the famous faces that you've photographed. And it's not, it's not bragging if we ask. So the the pressure's off. Don't feel like no no humble, no humbleness. We're asking you. No humility. Give us, give us, a few names 
most recently, I just worked with Natalie Portman. Um, she was promoting her new Thor movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So I shot her for the cover of Variety magazine. My goodness, I've I've shot so many. I'm just, you know, Kate Blanchett, Janelle Monet, um, Patty Lapone for the musical uh fans out there. Oh wow. Um she must have been interesting. She's kind of a, I would think a real diva, but in, she, in a great way, I guess. I don't know. I'd be very intimidated by her, I think. She was one of the most fun people I've ever worked. I just worked okay. with Rita Moreno as well, who's a legend. Oh, that's legend. cool. What a legend. I was obsessed with Rita. Um, but Patty Lapone's amazing. We we had so much fun. We laughed on set. Uh, she wanted to listen to opera, so we played Maria Callas, and she sang along as I was shooting <laughs> her. Yeah. We shot Salt, salt and Pepper. I mean, the yeah. I it, it's a, You tend to be more, it tends to be more female, though, right? More female? Uh, yes and no. I'm, I definitely do think that I, that people do know me mm-hmm. really for my, uh, my work with women, uh, mm-hmm. strong women and powerful and in that way. And I've, I've just done a book on it called strong like her, um, mm-hmm. on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> and it, it plug. I love that. Yeah. Uh, it really is definitely something that, uh, I've always wanted to show women in their most powerful light. And mm-hmm. I felt yeah. like that's something that just is innately in me, but it, I love shooting men as well and, and power in general across all the, all the genres and all the genders, you know, for me really is, is paramount more than anything else. Is there anybody who stands out? Um, I know this is a t- really tough question, but uh, out of all the people you've shot so far in your career that stands out as one of your favorites, for any reason i've got so many favorites it's like choosing children it's like mm-hmm. Sophie's choice, literally mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i do think jamie lee curtis is is an amazing person and anyone oh. who's worked with jamie lee curtis knows that they she leaves an indelible mark on you um there have been so many wonderful wonderful people uh you know whenever you are asked these questions your mind goes blank but i would definitely say you know, people make marks on me for different reasons. It could be because they're extremely creative. It could be yeah. because they're very open. It could be because they're kind, or it could be because they're very collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all kind of come with different energies, and and you feed off of them. And that's why I love doing my job. Um, mm-hmm. Just a quick follow up: out of all the people that you're talking about, and and mentioning Jamie Lee Curtis, um, do do some of them come back to you and request you to be their photographer over and over, depending on whatever the project is. It doesn't matter. I, I we've, we've encountered that as creative directors that some talent come with, this is who I want taking my picture. Right. And I'm uh, guessing absolutely. you're on some lists there too, for some people. Definitely. Um, yeah. There are some talent who have pre-approved photographers and I'm definitely on some people's lists. Okay. Um, I've, I've worked with them repeatedly. Jada Pinkett Smith is, is one of them. Walton Goggins actually is another mm, one. Um, love him. He's really nice. I like him. Yeah. He is. Walton Goggins and I kind of exploded in confetti together at the TCAs. And uh, then we did the cover of uh, CBS watch together and, mm. and, and I have re- remained you know, friends and um, we'll continue to work guy. together throughout the years, I'm sure. Cool. Um, There's some great people out there. And at the end of the day, we're just here to make good art. And if they trust you, it really is just like a hair or makeup or entourage or manager or publicist. It's we're just bonding with each other on different professional uh, mm-hmm. relationships. So we want yeah. to continue that. 
That that leads me to my next question. So, how do you prepare for a shoot? You know, I'm sure when I'm sure you meet with them and talk about their ideas. Um, what if their ideas are very different from what you thought your ideas were going to be? Um, you know, how do you deal with those different opinions, and how do you handle all that? Well. There's two answers to your question. The first answer is often I don't get the chance to meet them prior to the to the shoot, especially mm -hmm. with editorial. You know, marketing is different because, you know, creative directors such as yourselves, you get this chance to bond and meet the talent and pitch your ideas. As the vendor, the photographer or the director, it's very, very rare that we get to mm -hmm. meet them until shoot day. And therefore, we yeah. really have to contend with whatever energy they're bringing to set. You could be, they could be not feeling well, they could be jet lagged, they could be in a terrible mood, they could be whatever. We're dealing with whatever energy they're bringing on board. So I always try and um, manage that by at least having five minutes to go into their trailer or to go into their hair and makeup and just say hi and feel them out and see what energy they're bringing, ask them what kind of music they want to listen to. But more often than not, if you're working on a big movie poster or a show poster, you don't even get that. So you they're literally walking on to set and that's the first time you're meeting them. So mm. one of my favorite things yeah. to do is meet them halfway and shake their hands so that I'm not waiting for them to walk onto my set. Mm. I want to go and meet them halfway, make eye contact, give have an energy exchange and then walk them to set with them and they really feel like they're being kind of um escorted if you will and then the right. other answer to your question garen is uh if you know things are not aligned you just the only thing you can do is pivot and you have to pivot if you stick in the mud and you kind of want to fight with them it's gonna all fall apart and yeah you have to remember as a photographer this is not about, this is not a dictatorship. This is not about me. It's not m me and my set and my photo. I'm here to do a job, especially with entertainment, to get the product for the network. Or But you've got a client yeah. who's hired you too. Exactly. He's over here in your ear going, you got to get this one particular shot. We have to have this shot because this is That's what the key it. art's going to look like. And then you've got over here the, the talent going, I don't like that shot. And then you're in the middle. Yep. That's that's awkward. <laughs> it's awkward and you have to kind of have balls of steel a little yeah. bit in moments because you can't, yeah. you really have to kind of negotiate. It's pivoting and negotiation yeah. and it's being able to talk to the talent and get them to trust you and their publicist actually more than, more than the talent, but also to True. Also have a conversation, an honest conversation and manage expectations with the client who hired you and is trusting you to get the shot and just say, look, they don't want to do this. There's no way around it. What shall we do? This is my suggestion. And we can kind of more often than not, I've never had a situation where it's been so horrific that we're walking away with two very different products that two mm. parties are extremely unhappy with. It could be as silly as the client wants the talent to smile and the talent doesn't want to be seen smiling. It could be You're something right. I have talent often that's like, only shoot this side of my face. I've had that multiple times from men and women, by the mm -hmm, way, mm -hmm. only shoot this side of my face. And then the client says, well, all the comps show this side of the face. What are we going to do? So it's yeah, what do you do? Problem solving and pivoting. And oh sometimes you have to stand up to the talent, which I've done. And sometimes you have to say, 
flip it in post or flip mm-hmm. the light around and then we'll flip it in post so it aligns and you there's is always a solution and i always say to people you know our job more than taking the photograph is to problem solve we're here to basically come and get the shot but also to take it to the end and problem solve a lot of um people don't like to get their photo taken and which I, I'm actually included. Well, you, you, I was going to ask you. I hate having my photo taken. Oh my god! Oh, okay. So, we were wondering. Yeah, I was wondering. But you know what's what's I found very surprising, honestly, is that there's a lot of celebrities who don't like to have their photo taken. Right. They're Absolutely. perfectly comfortable in front of a you know a film camera, a moving video, or whatever. Different. The minute, though, it's a it's very different. different. It's a very different thing. And so, what do you do? Not the idea that they don't like the concept or whatever, but they're just nervous and uncomfortable. Yep. How do you get them to relax besides what you've already said about trusting trick. you? Do you have like their trick. favorite tequila nearby or? It's it's happened. I've literally gone to the bar at <laughs> and brought a tequila shot and handed it to the talent and said, yeah, I've, there I've, you done, go. That. I've I literally was- done that. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, that's again, my job. I often say to photography students, if I'm lecturing or teaching, you know, what you guys have to understand is that taking the photograph, the technical aspect of taking the photograph is less than 20% of this job. And when you wrap your head around that, you realize that the rest of it really is the confidence or the negotiation of the actual, you are the conductor of the orchestra, you know, Right, right. really making people feel comfortable could be putting on their favorite music. It could be mm-hmm. making them laugh. I'm extremely goofy. I'm not very funny, but I am extremely goofy. <laughs> so, you know, it could be that, or it could just be as simple and as holding their hand. When I worked with the breast cancer survivors, um, I had women who were physically shaking and I held their hand as I photographed them. You wow. know, it's, Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's a, hey, let's go take a walk uh, real quick and just have a little chit chat. And sometimes I'll even throw everyone out of the off the set and mm-hmm. say, everyone out. I want to have a chat with them. For I was going to say that that um, that is that's one of the things that's so uncomfortable, I would think, is like having 50 people all Lines. looking at you. Yeah. Um, it's are- hard to just focus right on you. You got to yeah. like mm-hmm. do those kind yeah. of moves. Sometimes, um, more often than not with those situations, I will do a closed set and then, you know, I don't want anyone in eyeline regardless of whether they feel comfortable or not. It's just a horrible feeling having 50 people stare you down. I don't care. But I think, um, you know, there's millions of different things that you can do to make people feel comfortable. And it really is just about trust and you have less than 30 seconds to read their their energy and read the room and see what they're coming with and meet it and match it. And that's really the trick. With have you ever had yeah. a shoot go terribly wrong? Like just it just was a complete and utter like disaster for any reason? Or is it? I don't. All I don't roses. That there's, no, it's never all roses. I mean, it's not all roses for sure. But I wouldn't say disaster per se. I don't think there's a shoot that I've done where I've walked away and said we didn't get anything and that was awful and and that was a terrible relationship. I've been in situations, you know, I was in Trinidad working on this crazy project in the mountains of Trinidad and at two in the morning and I was like, this is gnarly but i've been in i've been in some situations where the weather's ch- turned and it's caused yeah. problems or or people just genuinely it 
didn't want their photo taken and I really just had to negotiate through that's been probably the trickiest I don't think there's ever been a a situation that's been so disastrous where I've walked away and said I I failed the project and we didn't get anything the client is deeply unhappy I don't I don't think but I've also had to have conversations where I've said what you wanted walking into this is not what you've got but you've got something else so are you good and I don't stop the shoot until someone says thumbs up we can move on right 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 Right. You, you know, you, we, we had mentioned that you do work in um, advertising and, mm-hmm. and fashion and, mm-hmm. you know, film. So how do you approach photography? Like, how do you approach a fashion shoot as opposed to a promo shoot? Or is it all the same? It's a great question. I, I get asked that a lot. I think it's about a lot of people ask me what's the difference between shooting a celebrity and shooting a non-famous person mm-hmm. i don't like to say real people because all people are real um <laughs> and i always answer it in a kind of silly way by saying i shoot non-famous people like their celebrities and celebrities like their real people mm. but ah. as far as fashion is concerned models are there and it's a different relationship you know i that's what they do for a profession they know their angles they know their body you know they've got beautiful you know wonderful mm-hmm. bodies and they're there to sell the clothes and we're promoting the clothes and that's how we we want to kind of focus on that and it's very fantasy and we can really take it in a different way i think that you have to be more conscious about lines and ages and and uh angles and all of that kind of stuff but also I think that you're dealing with editorial you're dealing with one final image that we can kind of have and take and it's the photographer's vision much more so with the magazine of course Mm -hmm. with entertainment you have a million different layouts you have a million different layers and that you have to get all the elements that are probably going to be comped and probably going to be built out in a lot of different uh, final assets. Yeah. You're there to really be there for the client and get all the assets that are, are needed to build out what they're going to do that has nothing to do with you at the end. So it's mm-hmm. not really so much your vision. Editorial with fashion especially is my I usually do a mood board it's usually a concept that I've dreamed up it's usually something I've worked with intimately with the photo director and it's something that I take to final and I know how it's going to be I handle the retouching the finishing and it's it's my baby it's a mm-hmm. it's there's a lot let fewer cooks in the kitchen shall we say mm-hmm. so yeah it's a it's just different as far as the approach is concerned light is light faces are faces and you know energy is energy. So it's mm-hmm. in that way, it's very similar. Well, uh, let's yeah. switch gears a bit. Um, I want to talk about your tattoos. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's, that is a big switch. That's, sure. a, that's a big, pivot. That's a big I clap. told that's you, Laurie, big... I, yeah. I can pivot. I can pivot. Huge pivot. Huge pivot. Keep up. Just try to keep up today. Um, so how, do you have any idea how many you have at this point? Have you ever, uh, have you ever counted? I tried to count. I lost count. I I've, I'm, I've got lots. I've got lots. <laughs> Big ones, yeah. small ones, good ones, bad ones. How about that? Do you think you're going to do some more? I'd love to. I'd love to be completely covered neck down, to be honest with you, much to mm. the disdain of my mother. Um, uh. And, uh, the problem is, and I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast, I have a really bad paint tolerance. Well, I, I was going to I don't know I how you do it. I was just about then. to say that. There's a reason why I don't have any tattoos. I'm terrified. 
well, you're smart because <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. Uh, I'm not, I don't have a good pain threshold. It is a very arduous task having to tattoo me. You can ask my tattoo artist. Uh, she crosses herself every time she sees me coming in the room. Uh, no, that's funny. It's, it's, it's hard. I really just don't like the pain. And I would, I would have my entire back covered in a massive full covering, but I just don't think I can sit through it. Right? So what, is, are, what, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm Gary. sorry. I was going to say, are there, are there parts like the back? Is that yeah. more tender than other parts? There are parts of the body that are extremely, what we call spicy, you know, <laughs> uh, the knuckles are extreme. I have my knuckles tattooed and they are extremely painful. Um, oh, wow. The, the connector between your foot and your leg, that little bit on the top of your foot. Uh, I have that mm. tattooed and that's extremely spicy ribs mm. are always notorious armpits, backs of knees. Um, but there's different types of pain. Sometimes it's going over the bone and that feels very, it yeah. feels like it's drilling and versus yeah. fleshy parts that maybe have a lot more nerve endings, which are right. in different ways, but either way, I don't like any of them. I think they're Can't all painful. Well, why did you, they, how did you get into it? How did you, I love them. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> I like the art of it. The look at, yeah. Oh. The look. Well, tell yeah. us a little bit about the documentary you directed called The Illustrated Man. Yeah. Illustrated Man was conceived by me. The true answer to that is that I was a little bored. I was I had some downtime and I thought I want to do a new series of portraits and I want to shoot. I want to do an open casting call for tattooed men in the fashion industry. So it started off with male models who were tattooed. Okay. And they would come to my studio and I just shot them in a very kind of graphic uh, Richard Avedon type of way. Mm -hmm. And then it, they got bigger and bigger and bigger. The size of the project got bigger and bigger. And I, they started telling me the stories behind their tattoos. And I was so fascinated. And I thought, why am I not documenting this? There's something mm -hmm. here. And I, the project just, pivoted and got larger and larger and I turned it into not only a photo series which ended up with like 50 guys in total I traveled all across America I mean in Canada we, we went all over the place and then I I narrated and directed this full-length documentary with tattoo historians tattoo lawyers who specialize in discrimination cases uh, iconic tattoo artists, the editor-in-chief of Ink Magazine, you know, the list went on. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was really a social commentary on the tattooed man and how far we've come from, you know, what we what we used to think of as the tattooed man, the stigma attached to it from, from sailors and convicts all the right. way up yeah. to David Beckham and, mm -hmm. you know, dream yeah. boyfriends, the, you know, the, the icon of the hot tattooed young man mm -hmm. is so different from 50 years ago and how we would cross the street if we saw a tattooed man. And, and, and also talking about how New York city, uh, was, it was illegal for 30 years to get tattooed in New York city, mm. not that long ago. And I didn't realize that. Yeah. So if you were getting tattooed in the 80s and 90s in New York City, it was illegal. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's not a lot of people that know the actual history of the of the art of tattoo, where it came from, how it evolved. The Thomas Edison's electric pen inspired the tattoo, you know, mm -hmm. uh, machine. And so really, I wanted to kind of 
it be a social commentary, but also a little bit of an educational piece for people that were interested. And then showing modern day art forms, walking, walking around, living and breathing. So right. where, where can our listeners um, find this t- documentary and watch it? We actually syndicated it and sold it. Um, so you can watch it. Actually, Inked uh, now own the rights to it. I think here in North okay. America, I'll have to check and we'll, we can you know, provide you with a link. Okay. But there are multiple different, it shows in different TV networks uh, across the world, Brazil. Sometimes I get messages from Brazilians or Germans and they're like, I just saw your documentary and your mm-hmm. voice was dubbed. Um, and uh, you can see it on Inked's uh, YouTube page. There's a whole bunch oh, okay. of you can find it um it's an interesting documentary and then we had a massive uh large-scale photo uh exhibit in chelsea and dave navarra got involved he's in the tattoo uh documentary as well and i wanted to make a a coffee table book but covid hit and that's been put on pause but maybe one day coming soon that's great very cool love to see it thank you well now it's time for a special segment we call finish that sentence Oh. oh yes, yes. We're uh, it, this is our lightning round. We're gonna ask you. We're gonna start a sentence, and all you have to do is just finish it with the first thing that pops into your head. Okay, don't think too hard. This is not. These are not deep questions. Nope. Okay, but but it's to get that quick response from you. So, Garen, you want to take the first I, one? I would love to, and then we'll send your answers to a psychologist, and we'll circle back. Say. Yeah, we'll circle back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Freud is is rolling in his grave right now. (laughs) Okay, here you go. Question number one. If money wasn't a factor, I would be... A painter in Rome. Oh, okay. The number one artist on my Spotify playlist that gets me in the zone is... Motorhead. Oh, interesting. Uh, One secret people don't know about me is... I love Disney. (laughs) We have that in common, Sophie. Sophie, we have that in common. That's where he went for his birthday this year. He flew to Florida, actually, his family and went down to Disneyland. Me too. I did the same thing. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I'll see you there sometime. That's awesome. The one person that I haven't photographed that's on my wish list is... I have two. Well, I had three, but one of them just died recently. Um, the okay. top three were Miss Piggy, <laughs> Dolly Parton. Oh, I'm waiting for your call, Dolly. And Queen Elizabeth II, RIP. Oh, wonderful. Oh, that would yeah, be great. Rest in peace. Yeah. But I've I've exchanged her her position for Adele. So Adele, if you're listening. I'm waiting for you. I think I think Adele is a <laughs> I, th- I think Adele is a listener of the Room 15 podcast. Don't you absolutely, think? Yeah, absolutely. Totally, Adele, totally. I'm waiting. Let's have All right. nuggets and do a photo shoot together. All it's right, cool. okay. My second second favorite passion behind photography is painting. Okay, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say maybe cooking or baking because you do a lot of that too. I do. It, that's my, that was my COVID thing. I learned how to make cakes. And I mean, I'm, like really cool cakes. Like it's not like a Garen. It's not like a sheet cake. It's like Sophie. Art. Sophie, I'm not surprised. Sophie doesn't do anything like average. You know, <laughs> it's got to be a, a very we cool looking cake. Yeah, my favorite yeah. coffee shop in London is. Ooh, gosh, that's a good one. 
That's a tough one. I know when I was in London, she was like texting me, go to this pub, go to this coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And she was mm-hmm. literally whispering mm-hmm. in my ear the whole trip. It was great. I love the coffee shop that's adjacent to my favorite hotel, which is St. Martin's Lane. So there is a cute little pink coffee shop that is adjacent to there. So mm-hmm. I love that. Um, there's so many good ones. Got its name, but they have a um, creme brulee latte, and there's a mm. tree built oh on my. the inside of the coffee shop. It's in uh, Covent Garden. I love that place. Apple butter, I think it might be called. Oh, I like the sound of that. Apple mm. butter, yum, fabulous. Getting hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in LA, my favorite place to stay is at the Sunset Marquee, baby. Oh yeah. Last question the Aww. one the one piece of career advice i give to anyone interested in doing what i do is do it with your heart uh work hard be nice to people and uh be authentic to yourself and just hustle and just do it for yourself don't do it for others that's Good great advice, advice. Mm-hmm. okay so just real quick before we go if you yeah. haven't heard yet there's a fun new feature to the Room 15 podcast I'd like to announce here. Oh, really? Um, can I get a drum roll? You're really building this up. I am. Is wow. It? It's called voicemail. Voicemail? So, yeah. That's that, VM. Oh, okay. That's right. Now, now you can call and you can leave us a message, a comment, a uh, Anything you want, really. And we'll even use your voicemail in an upcoming episode. So here's how you do it. To leave us a message, go online to speakpipe.com forward slash RM15. That's speakpipe.com forward slash RM15. And guess what? 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 We actually already have a few voicemails. And I'd like to play them for you today. Is that okay? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So... Here's the first one, and it comes from someone named Leslie. Hi, Room 15. I'd like you to see if you can interview someone about key art and what it means for um, the images to sell the shows and what all about key art. Anyway, I would love to see here that show. Bye. That is a great idea, Leslie. Um, but why does your voice sound so familiar? Hmm. hmm. I think we know. I think we may know this, oh, Leslie. Yeah. I know. Uh-huh. I think we may know Leslie. Here's another one, which was really interesting to me. It says it's from Catherine Zeta Jones. Huh. Somehow, somehow, I really doubt that. <laughs> she might listen if Adele's listening. I don't see why. Maybe. She, yeah. Yeah. So, um, take a listen to this. Hey, Lori and Garen, I just wanted to call in and say how much I'm enjoying your podcast. All of your guests have been super interesting and I'm learning a lot. So please keep it up. Oh, that is so nice to hear. We uh, we, we, we actually have fans. That's a very nice. Oh my God. I really yeah. love that one. Okay. So I've got, um, do we have time for one more? I'd love to play one more. And this one is from Matt Hernandez. Here we go. This is Matt Hernandez. I had a question for Sophie. I'm a huge fan, of course. And had a question about Sophie's path, about how has she seen changes in this industry, in the entertainment business, from where she started originally and where she's going, working with a lot of movies and entertainment titles. What is the biggest difference that you've seen in the industry 
through the creative that you've worked on. Okay. Okay. That's a, well, Sophie, take it away. Yeah, that's for you. Go for it. Wow. That's, that's a multi-pronged question. (laughs) I think one of the things that springs to mind um, is that, especially with social media, um, it used to be that everyone just used to focus on one piece of art and we would spend a long time creating one piece of art, right? And now it's just, in my opinion, it's, you know, on all the different platforms, it's, we need more, we need it faster, we need it cheaper, give me more, give me more, give me more. And I think that that's the biggest thing that I feel like we're all chasing from client side and also vendor side agency side, we're all just kind of racking our brains to how do we filter through the noise and how do we reach the audience with something that's captivating Mm -hmm. when all of the markets, all of the platforms are so saturated. And I think the stress that it's causing everyone is just kind of like, I would sometimes just love to see us create a really iconic piece that just can live, you know, and have to be so uh torn to pieces by so many different places and platforms and right. people and it's just very hard i think um yeah having... you have to feed the beast it's just mm-hmm. a constant the feeding the beast is hungry and the hung you know the beast is hungry mm-hmm. and i think that every shoot we get the shot list gets longer we have to do more 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 faster for less and i think that that's the biggest impact. And I wonder where we're going with that. I wonder if mm-hmm. the bubble will expand or if the bubble is going to burst and we'll we'll go back to how things used to be, where it really was, let's spend a year working on one piece of art and, you and know. do something really iconic. Something, and- something tells me once the genie's out of the bottle, yeah. you won't ever go back. I, I agree. I, I, but it's I, hard I, because, you know, the idea of doing it for less, I get that because, you know, a lot of this stuff is for a social post that's gone the next day. You know, it's, you it's can't. forgotten. Everything else is scrolling. You know, once you scroll past it, if you don't stop and like it, then. You're then looking at it on a tiny screen. It's not on a big yeah. billboard necessarily. No. If, you know, no. the media buyers changed. Yeah. Streaming has changed. Um, fashion has changed. Who buys magazines anymore? You know, so mm-hmm. many iconic magazines have, have died. You know, when I when I started or even when I was in art school, we all used to collect Vogue every month, you know, yeah. and who, you know, how many people really buy tons of magazines in print anymore, you know? So I think the industry is constantly changing. Technology is is a beast and I'm just trying to keep up. And, mm, we and all also are. On, the, on the positive side of things, I'm really happy about how inclusion has changed. I'm happy mm-hmm. about how women vendors are having their moment, um, you know, and cast and and the fairness and equality is really shifting. And we're all having hard conversations with ourselves and with each other. And the industry is, is evolving. And like you said, Laurie, it is a beast that constantly needs to be fed. And I'm along for the ride, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's a real roller coaster ride. And that that's the thing I think I like so much about this industry in general is it's always evolving and changing. I mean, if you're in the, if you're into doing taxes, I mean, it doesn't really change year to year. It's like, you know, it is what it is. There might be some new things that come up, but for all of us, we, we have to roll with it. We have to stay current and relevant and follow the trends wherever they lead us and be able to keep up. It's really, really, um, 
it's a challenge, but it's fun yeah. at the same time, right? You, can, you, you cannot rest on your laurels in this yeah. business for sure. There's, there's no breathing room. Um, and I always say, you know, you're as good as the last project you worked on. And that's right. And that's yeah. the anxiety, but also the hustle that gets you out of bed and makes you want to do better and mm -hmm. go get the next one. And that's the freelance life, I guess. So. Well, I I think that this has been a lot of fun. And I just want to thank you for making that long trip all the way thank across you. the pond. Good luck on that that long trip back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you so much. If, yeah. If, if she can find her way out of our bunker, that's that's little... really the hard part. But... <laughs> we'll call you an Uber, and they may or may not they may or may not show up. <laughs> we don't. I'm, know. An escape, I'm an escape room uh, pro, so oh, that's helpful. That's gonna come Excellent. handy. Excellent. <laughs> Thank so you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate. Yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for. We know you're busy, so we thank you for coming all over, coming over, and thanks to our listeners for listening, and thanks mm -hmm. for the voicemails. Keep yeah, on, keep on I like coming. those voicemails. Sure, for sure. Well, yeah. from all of us uh, here at the Room 15 bunker. Bye for now. Thank you so. Bye.